Hey, what's going on, everybody? Dan Watkins here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of After Further Review. This is podcast number 91 for those of you counting along at home. And this week, my guest is good friend of mine, Chris Mason of the Eagle Tribune. Chris, how we doing? Couldn't be better, my man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, enjoying the uh, baseball offseason. I have been. Come to an end pretty quick, though, huh? No kidding. All right. Yeah. Weeks. <laughs> yeah, right? Spring training right <laughs> around the corner. But before that, lots of stuff to talk about in baseball with the MLB Hall of Fame vote uh, just being released this week. Also, you got Harper Machado not signing anywhere. It's exactly the same situation as what happened, what we saw with J.D. Martinez last year. Uh, and then uh, there's this little thing called the Super Bowl coming up here in just under two weeks that I figure might have a few things to talk about, uh, especially with the craziness that happened on Championship Sunday. So let's start with football, if that's all right with you. Absolutely. All right. So by now, I'm sure all of you that, have, that are listening to this have know what happened Championship Sunday. So we're not going to go play-by-play or do any of that kind of crap. But uh, I do want to get your thoughts on some of the conversations that have really started be, because of those two games and how they ended. Um, with the, specifically with the, Pats, with the Pats and Chiefs game, a lot of people are crying that overtime in the NFL should change. That maybe it's, that both teams should have the ball no matter what. The league is an offensive-driven league that now you should be able to see. No matter what Tom Brady does with the football on that first drive, Patrick Mahomes should get a chance to respond. A lot of people like that. Me, personally, I feel like at some point, this is professional football. you got to be able to play defense. Exactly. And, um, and you got to be able to make a stop. That's the thing. Like I... I can't cry for the Chiefs over that playoff game because they had three third and tens on that drive. Yeah. The Pats converted all of them. It's like, you want to win the game? Get a stop. Exactly. I'd be fine with them making it a 10, 15-minute full period, but I, I think it's fine the way it is, too. Yeah, I think I think that's funny when you bring that up because that's actually a Belichick idea, yep. which we found out this week. I didn't know that was a Belichick idea until this week when that came out, that uh, Bill's, Bill's actually been the one pushing for a 10-minute period at the end. I mean, I'm not going to complain over more football, but at the same time, like we just said, at some point you got to play defense, and what happens when you get to the end of that 10-minute period and you're still tied? Then do you go to sudden death? Because then you're just you're just prolonging the inevitable that someone's going to be pissed off at the end of these games. Yep. And then you wonder how the players' union responds to that, too, if you're adding another quarter to these right. games, right? That's a whole other can of worms that you're opening. Yeah, especially in the playoffs where these guys, you look at what they're getting. They're not getting much no. to play these playoff games. I mean, I mean, now that the Patriots players are in the Super Bowl, they're getting, I think they're getting, what, a quarter of a million? No matter where they I think like, lose. Uh, combined it ends up being Something a little like over 200,000. Right, if they lose, I mean, compared to what do the, what do the, uh, what do the Dodgers get? In baseball, for just being in the World Series. Oh man, it's a lot in baseball. It's, a, I mean, it's ridiculous. It really <laughs> yeah. is ridiculous. Uh, and we'll get into baseball money talk in a little bit, but compared to the other sports, I mean, what these guys in the NFL go through, and then they just don't get anything for it. I like that uh, a couple of people have been tweeting that NFL players should be paid overtime for playing overtime. Not a bad idea. No, it's not terrible. The league's got the money. I mean, without a doubt, they do. Um, and when you circle back to the Chiefs, another thing with them too. Line up on sides, yeah. and we're not having this conversation. D. Ford possibly going to be the def- one of the defensive players of the year. Maybe in the AFC, he might be the defensive player of the year. He can't line up on sides at the end of the AFC championship game. And then you have Andy Reid. I don't want to say full-on whining, mm-hmm. but not. I mean, basically complaining that there should have been an official tapping him saying, hey, or at least tapping Andy saying, hey, your, your guy's on, off sides. He's in the neutral zone, which... If we're in September, October, even November, sure, no problem. But when we're in January 
and we're in the conference title game, chance to go to the Super Bowl, and you can't line up on sides in the fourth quarter? I mean, what are we doing? It wasn't even like he was close to being on sides. Like, if you look at that side view, he is way past it's it. It's brutal. It is interesting because I think refs do talk to wide receivers, right? If they're right. like, hey, I'm on the line, I'm off the line, no, you got to step up. But, I mean, if you're an interior lineman, you got to figure it out. He's, like, I mean, what is he, five feet from the football? Yep. It's, he's that close. All he had to do was turn his head and look and take a step back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that, and that game, it's, it's relatively over. I mean, the Chiefs had plenty of chances, like you mentioned. Uh, you, what was it? it was three straight, third and nine or third and ten down the stretch in overtime. You have D Ford's play. You have... I don't understand what they were doing at the end of regulation there. They get the ball with 39 seconds left. And two timeouts, they go 50 yards in two, what two plays? Yeah, and it's like, and then you have, I think there was over 20 seconds left still on the clock. Trey Flowers jumps off sides. Yep, they get another, you know, they get another clock stop. That's an extra clock stoppage, and they take one measly attempt into the end zone, uh, which Patrick Mahomes basically just kind of threw it away. It wasn't even a real attempt into the end zone. I mean, so I, you're you're telling me you think Andy Reid mismanaged the clock? That's basically what I'm getting at. Yeah, that, that is that is what I'm getting at. Uh, that once again, Andy Reid mismanages the clock, and Bob Sutton's the one that suffers for the Chiefs' loss as he's fired. Another defensive coordinator fired by by Tom and Bill. Um, yep. Staying right there with the Patriots, we've seen some unbelievable games in the, in that in this in this era. Where does this one rank for you? I mean, it's up there. That was like edge of your seat the entire time. But yeah. it's crazy. Like when you think just how many good playoff games they've had, it's insane. I mean, like the last two Super Bowls were both. Right. I mean, I mean, maybe, even take Super Bowls out of it. Yeah. If you just say non-Super Bowl, <laughs> where that game is. I mean, when I'm sitting there watching that game, the the negative, like the you know, the just the anxiety that's building in that game. All I can think of is this is 2006 in Indianapolis all over again. You go into halftime with a huge lead. And then it just slowly starts fading away. In 06, they had that 21-3 lead. Peyton Manning looks absolutely dead. Then he comes out in the second half and puts up 35 points. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs look relatively flat in the first half. Um, not really moving. I mean, they're moving the ball a little bit, but every, they end up stalling out every time. Patriots defense is playing great. And then you come out of the second half, and it's just like flip of a switch and that offense was on and the Patriots basically weathered the storm to the end and Tom and Tom and the team I mean that offensive line really is what's to say yeah they saved the day um and ended up pulling that one out where a team that you know a couple of years ago for the Patriots that you know like the 2015 team they're not going to pull that out no and uh, yeah I think the line is the perfect observation because like, not only if the second week in a row, Brady doesn't even wash his jersey. Like, he's just not getting hit at all. But they're running at will. And when you can give Tom Brady a running game like that, yep. you're just that much more dynamic. It, it, it was it was a truly unbelievable performance. And the hidden the uh, the silent MVP of the – not well, not MVP, but most valuable person uh, of this team is Dante Scarnecchia. Oh, unbelievable. I mean, what he's done in the job – I mean, now you got the real test coming up. Um, you've had – they shut down Bosa and Ingram. They shut down – Chris Jones and D Ford, um, with a little help from the officials, that was a very bad call on Chris Jones on on Sunday. That was oh, a yeah. very bad call. Yeah. Um, but the I mean the Chiefs got some Chiefs got away with some stuff too. If Dorsett doesn't catch that touchdown pass, I think there was something going on in that play too. But oh, he caught the, he caught the touchdown, so that's negated regardless. In the pick plays they missed too. It's one of those like I what what is a pick? What is offensive pass? Yeah, here? it's based on what they call and what they don't call. 
Yep. Um, so now you go ahead to the Super Bowl and you got Aaron Donald, who might just be the best defensive lineman that the Patriots have seen in this era. Yep. I don't think that's an over-exaggeration. No, it's not. Bill straight up said he's unblockable, it's, which, I mean, they played Khalil Mack earlier this year. Bill didn't say that about him. You know? No, no, he did not. I think that you've seen the Patriots have this way that they've always been able to deal with the edge guy. Mm-hmm. No problem that Tom could step up in the pocket, but it's the guy that comes through the middle, generating pressure up the up the gut there through the center, but pushing if he pushes David Andrews back into Tom, doesn't allow him to step up. That's when there's going to be real problems for, for this offense. Yeah, he needs the pocket, and if he doesn't have a clean pocket, then he is what like you know look at those giant Super Bowls. Yeah, that's I mean you could send four, collapse the pocket, and suddenly you go from an offense scoring thirty points to seventeen. Absolutely. So, sticking on the topic of the Rams, in the Rams, the Rams Saints game, the end of that, um, which is uh, that's actually pending litigation in court. Roger Goodell has I don't know if you've heard Roger Goodell has been invited back down to New Orleans. Uh, for next Monday for a court hearing where he can in, where he can I think uh, enact Rule 17, Article 1, Section 2 or something, where the commissioner can overturn the results of a game and either make them start the fourth quarter all over, all over again or just send the Saints to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I wonder how he's going to rule. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 <laughs> against, that, against that organization too, which has had their fair share. Um, besides the Patriots, I mean, they're right there with the Patriots with dealings with Goodell. Yep. So... I don't think Rogers going to show up in court on Monday. So Saints fans, too bad you lost. I mean, you had chances to win that game as well. See the overtime thing; like they won the coin toss, they didn't win. So the Rams got you know the Rams got the ball second. They end up winning the game, and then right before that, the atrocious play that everybody's talking about—the miss, the very bad miss on the uh, pass interference, helmet to helmet, whatever you want to call it. You're going to call the number of different things on that on uh, Roby Coleman. Uh, passing on first down, incomplete pass, stop the clock. Going to overtime, you stalled out when you, after moving the ball the first quarter. I mean, there was plenty of opportunities for the Saints to win that game. It really doesn't ever really truly boil down to one play like that. But um, it was so bad. It was really <laughs> bad. And that's why I want to ask you where there's the other thing besides the overtime rule changes that everybody wants to change is the do we now make everything reviewable, including penalties? See, it's. I think it's easy to say yes after a game like that. Right. But I don't think you can do it. Because if you look for penalties, you could probably find penalties on every single oh, play. Oh, yeah. Right? Absolutely. And, I mean, the game already slowed down enough. I, I think if you start... I mean, maybe pass interference is the one that you could be like, all right, this is the only reviewable penalty. Just because, I mean, I've been beating this drum forever. I think it's so stupid that it's a spot foul. Yep. Like, you know, you get a Joe Flacco, jump ball, underthrown, P.I., 50 yards. Like, what? Right. I think there's a fine line with this where if we give the coaches, and I've heard some people propose this, I think Rich Eisen's been the one really going out and really pumping this one up, is that you give them, say, give the coaches one extra challenge that can be used for a penalty situation. So, not that, so, because I'm sure there are coaches that would literally the entire game challenge, challenge, challenge. If you just give them one extra, one extra challenge to look, relook at a penalty, I don't think that's such a bad idea. I wonder if they're going to toy with that in the preseason, kind of see how it yeah. works, and then. But it would be weird. But at the same time, though, if you have something as a have a rule in the preseason, they they're not just going to yank it back before opening day, right? Yeah. So it's interesting too. Like, I like the idea of limiting it if you do it where you can only have one. But you look at that game. Like, 
what is there, a minute and a half left? Like, yeah. Sean Payton probably already has used his penalty right. challenge in that game, so does it really make that big a difference? True. And under two minutes, it would have to come from the booth. Right. Regardless there. Um, it, is, it is a weird thing, but I do think it's a coward move by the NFL. They chose not to acknowledge they were going to release something, and then they pulled it back last yeah. minute. I think that's a very coward move. It looks horrible. I mean, they had to move those refs. They had to sneak them to another hotel yeah. Sunday night in New Orleans. Which, I mean, how they I would have put those guys in a car and just got them completely out of the city. How they even left them in the city is, mm-hmm. is ridiculous to start with. But I think we're in, we're going to be in for a good Super Bowl. I think the two the the two the right teams are there. I think it, it really boils down to at the end of the game, the Saints choked that one away, and just I mean they were up thirteen nothing at halftime. They end up losing twenty six twenty three. You know they they had plenty of chances, and then the Colts and then the the Chiefs Pats game. The Pats weathered the storm, held the Chiefs' offense, and they came out with the win. I think the right two teams are there at the end of the day. I'd agree with that. I mean, you look at that game, the Chiefs played 30 minutes, right? Like, the yeah. second half was unbelievable, but their first half was so bad, and it's such an incomplete effort that I don't think they deserve to be there. No. It's, it's So, going into Super Bowl 53 now, it's come full circle, if you will, which this I don't really get this angle. I don't know if you do. People are saying it's the rematch. The, there's nothing about the Rams. They're not even in the same city. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, is there is there someone in the organization that might have been there in 2001? I haven't looked in depth at the tight ends coach or the front office or if they have a Ernie Adams type in that in that office, in that building. I don't think they do. I bet they left everybody in St. Louis or when Jeff Fisher was there, everything was cleared out. Mm-hmm. I like I don't I don't get that angle. I mean I know it's it's the sexy headline. Everybody yeah. likes that that you know Brady come full circle. Like does if he wins this one does he walk away? I don't think he's going to. Uh, Bill definitely not going anywhere. He's already pretty much said he doesn't have an end in sight. Which yeah. I think I think that's why. Just to go off on another topic quick, I think that's why Josh McDaniels is back out looking because I think he realized coming back that okay this guy's actually not going anywhere. <laughs> So for you, what is what is the big headline for you going into this Super Bowl? Well, I think it's Belichick against McVay. Yeah, that, that's the matchup there that I think is so intriguing because you have obviously complete opposites, right? Right. Um, even offensive and defensive, like down to a T. You know, old guard, new guard. Like I think that chess match is going to be fascinating. And in terms of like the rematch thing, yeah, I, I, I don't buy that at all. But uh, I do think it's kind of interesting that you know the dynasty started with a win over the Rams, like. It's got to end sometime, right? Like, yeah. could the Rams be the ones that finally, like, dethrone them? Right. I mean, it very well could be. I mean, you have the Patriots who basically ruined the Rams' shot at a dynasty. Yep. And now maybe the Rams end this one. Um, but, I mean, even if the Rams win, I mean, taken from Brady and Gronk's uh, Bad Boys for Life video, they're not going anywhere. Gronk might Gronk be. Might. But, yeah. but uh, Tom, Tom and Bill aren't going anywhere anytime soon. And I think we saw that, and, and they are pissed off. Pagers are playing on this. They are on this. They're hellbent yeah. right now. And this is that is scary for this Rams team. Um, and I think another interesting matchup here in this Super Bowl is Tom Brady versus Wade Phillips, Yeah, which no one's really talked about yet. And I think that's interesting, and that's going to get a little more play as we get closer to the game. Wade Phillips has two career wins against Tom Brady. Both of those are in 2015 with that Broncos defense that was out of this world, which is one of the best defenses we've seen. Yep. Besides besides those two matchups that he that they took in that one season, Tom's pretty much shredded Wade. Yeah. And they run this kind of scheme where it's they run four linemen, one linebacker. You run that against the Patriots, they're going to do what they did to the Chargers. Yeah. Run the ball. Exactly. <laughs> A lot. Yeah. Um, 
It is interesting, though, just like you think of that 15 Broncos team they had. They The defense was good, but yeah. Von Miller was that guy. Right. Is Aaron Donald that guy that can just make that big a difference in the game? I think he absolutely could. And if, if Shaq Mason, Tooney, and Joe Tooney, and David Andrews aren't ready, Aaron, Aaron Donald, and then if it's not for Donald, you got not, not the Dominican Sue yep. as a pretty good secondarier guy. And yeah, then, I mean, if he's actually trying. Right. right. Like We'll see. I mean, he's the guy that if the Pats do get up quick, he could be the one to say, okay, no, bye. F this. Yep. I'm out. So, like you said, you got Belichick McVay, which is an interesting. You have Brady knocking off the young, up-and-coming quarterback that's ready to be the – that is the next star of this league. He's going to be the MVP. And now you have Belichick against the next great coach, yep. everybody said, in this league. So, it's it's – it's almost it's such a this would be this is such the perfect Patriots postseason where you have just okay you guys think we're done nope screw you we're taking your up and coming star nope sorry he's gone yep. we can take your up and coming coach nope sorry we're still here this is still our league um, and it just sets up perfect it's just, it's just setting up perfectly for one of those just all time Patriot classic runs. It's just crazy that they've been able to flip a switch, basically. Like, yeah. uh, we're pissed off, and now, right. you know, like, F you to everyone. Because, like, you look at that regular season, it wasn't very good. Like, no. for their standards. I mean, 3-5 and five on the road. Come on. But now, like, you know, going to Arrowhead, win the championship game. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy. I mean, it's... It, I mean, I wonder... I truly wonder... that <laughs> Deion Sanders brought this up last week after the Chargers win, that... When he was at the Cowboys in the '90s, and they rattled off three and three out of four, or three out of five, whatever it was, that there was points during the regular season where they just got bored. And I kind of wonder if going on the road, if the Patriots just kind of got bored. I mean, I, that, I don't like saying that with a Bill Belichick team because yeah. I don't think that's truly fully the case. But part of me wants to say that yeah, there might have been something that's just like that after all these runs, you got <laughs> they've been to the conference championship game eight straight years that they know. That they just have to play well for three or four straight games. They have to rattle off three or four straight weeks where they're where they're perfect, and just they just have to get there. And they know that they weren't going to lose at home. Yeah, so. it, it, I mean it's interesting. I think there's certainly something to be said for that when you look at Tom skipping off season stuff too. Right, and that like, really uh, showed, turned out to be a big difference in the season, huh? <laughs> seriously, right? Um, but it, it is one of those things where, like, I think that's an indicator, like, oh, yeah, I mean, we've done this so many times that, like, I, I don't need to go to this and we can still get it done, right? Yeah, it's it, it really is. It's just truly ridiculous. I mean, every year this run gets more ridiculous, and this year is just the most ridiculous of them all. I, I mean, I've said, we've said it a few times now. It, it truly is. But there's been – and this year there's been no tomato can, right? Like, right. The Chargers were a legit team. This is the toughest run they've had. I mean, this is the toughest run since probably when they had – the. You know the Colts and Steelers back to back, in in all four. Yeah, I mean this is this this is legit. Or even Tennessee and and uh, and Indy, uh, in those years those years. Even though I think the Colts were more of a they were they were a true finesse team, and going outside was just going to ruin them. Yeah, but the Chargers kind of turned out to be that way too. They did. I mean that Chargers game. I mean we we don't need to go back into it, but that game plan was terrible. Like oh I think yeah, Anthony Lynn's a good coach. How do you not make any adjustments in that game? Right. Like after the first two drives, we're like, all right, we're just going to run down your throat. How do you keep sending seven defensive backs out there? Yeah, like, <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean that's what I, I mean. Bill had to have been just like laughing to himself inside the inside of his hoodie, where it's just like, are you, really? <laughs> yeah, like nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, at least Andy Reid made halftime adjustments, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean both those game both games against the Chiefs this year they came they came out in the second half and it's been a completely different ball game for the Chiefs. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the Patriots defense, which we haven't really hit on yet. 
how they've turned it on, more so than the offense, I think has been impressive. And you have an emerging, possibly very good cornerback in J.C. Jackson, who once the refs looked in on him, he he came under the spotlight hardcore. And he, what was it? It was like three straight plays. Yeah. In the fourth quarter, that he got flagged on. He's a big. He's a big body corner. He reminds me a little bit of Brown, Brandon Browner. Just yeah. that kind of overly physical type, a guy that would have fit in very well with the 0304 Patriots. Yeah, um, roughing guys up, and he got he got called for it, and rightly so. Yeah, um, I do think he's a little more agile than Browner. But yeah, I mean, if you're that kind of player and you're in the championship games, like, all right, you yeah. you might do that, make them throw the flag, like basically dare them to, right? Right, Keep playing your way, and I mean they did, but it is it, like he's come on so strong, um, just like from where he was at the beginning of the year to oh, what yeah. he's doing now. And it, it just speaks to Belichick again that you get a guy like that. Like, oh, Malcolm Butler, you're gone. Um, yep. Oh, J.C. Jackson, next next guy, right? Like, right. The, the, then, the difference is with this one is that everybody knows who he is going into the Super Bowl. So if he's going to yeah. make a play, everybody's well aware who he is. And, I mean, Gilmore has been unbelievable. He, he really has. I mean, he lucked out with um, – with Hill that they only got the ball to him once because there was a couple times that they threw that ball and was like, oh, God, if he's going to get it, it's holding your breath. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we could see that again with Brandon Cooks, uh, who might have a little bit of a bone to pick here with the Pats. I don't really think he does, but he might have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder going against his former team there. Yeah. I mean, it's just interesting, though, like how much more motivated can you get for a Super Bowl? Right. right? Yeah, yeah I, that is a good point. Or it's like if you can't get up for this one, what do you, why are you playing? Yeah. <laughs> so... Super Bowl 53, it's going to be a good one. And next week, uh, we're recording this before, even before media week, before the teams are even there. So a lot more stuff will come out, I'm sure, in these next 10 days or so. Hopefully everybody for the Patriots that we're expecting to play will play. We don't need to go through that again with why is someone sitting. Mm. I really don't want to go through another offseason of that. Bill and Tom are saying that they love each other, so I don't think we're going to have an offseason of that. Um, but who knows? Something could change in the next 10 days. But... I do think we're going to get a good one. Um, question for you, though. I, are the Patriots going to finally score in the first quarter? They have to at some point, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it, They haven't. I mean, did, did Gostowski kick a field goal last year in the first? He might have. I think, yeah. I but, think he did. But still, I mean, are they going to score a touchdown yeah. <laughs> in the first quarter? Which is That is one of the more, more mind-boggling stats Yeah. Uh, in, in this whole <laughs> run. So, Super Bowl 53. Next week, going to be a good one. Let's kind of turn the page here to the other big topic this week in the world of sports, and that's MLB Hall of Fame voting. Mariano Rivera becoming the first player in MLB history to get the um, unanimous 100% vote of the ballot. Everybody voted for him. That voted. Um, the guy in Worcester there did not vote. So we talked about it a little bit the last time you were on. Um, Bill but, ended up voting, actually. Andy oh, voted, did he? Andy voted for him. Oh, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> It's t- take shamed on Twitter, backed into a corner, and you change your mind. I mean, at least stick by yourself if you're going to do that. Oh, that would have been the one guy. And we would have known who it was. Well, he wouldn't have revealed that he voted, probably. Yeah, uh, which it's insane to me that you can still do private ballots. Like, yeah. The writers overwhelmingly voted. I think it was like 90% that, like... Show them. Yeah. Like, if yeah. you're casting a ballot, make it public. Right. But and, for whatever reason, the hall was like, no, we're not doing that. So, Rivera... I have no problem with him being unanimous. A little, I so when the ballot came out, and like I was trying to think. So now this happened. Are we going to get anybody else in the next up in the next few years that's going to be completely unanimous? Obviously, Griffey would have been the perfect candidate yep. to, to 
what was it, last year or two years ago. But now when you look at these upcoming classes, um, I mean, is Jeter, but Jeter has flaws, his defense. Some guys are going to not vote for him because of that. Um, but then, when, but when you look at Rivera and you really look into it, and we've talked about this, the, his ERA, postseason ERA was, was like 0.4. And Mariano Rivera basically had three bad games in his career. It's insane it, if you had, look at it. It's and you can you can recite them. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's 97 in the ALCS against uh, Cleveland. Sandy Elmar Jr. hits a home run off him. Yep. That's a blown save. Possibly one of the worst nights ever for a closer in 2001 against the Diamondbacks. Um, he just had a horrible ninth inning, and that just completely fell apart um, until Gonzalez hits the blooper and ends up winning. And then 04 in, here in Boston in the ALCS, which... He didn't lose the. I mean, he wasn't the losing pitcher. He gave up a run. He walked. It's like in, if you look at that inning, it's not even bad. It's like, not. Yes, you, he it, gave up one you, run. Yeah, and it's a walk and then weak contact up the middle. Right. right. It's not like it's a walk tearing the steal, cover off the and, ball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, in hindsight, don't walk Kevin Millar. But. Yeah. Right, exactly. Don't walk Kevin Millar. And then it, it's 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 ridiculous that there's just three bad games. Go through his point. <clears throat> If you're listening at home and you have your computer with you, just look at his postseason game log. It's unbelievable. Yep. You can count walk walks on I think on two hands. That's it. Yeah. On all those Yankee teams, all those playoff games. You 141 count. innings. Yeah, and, and I think it was eleven runs. Eleven like earned. Yeah. That's... And I th- and what we just recited, I think, was almost half of those runs. Yeah. <laughs> so right there in those three games. Uh truly ridiculous. Then you look at Doc Halliday. I, that was a shoo-in. You knew that was going to happen. Doc mm-hmm. was unbelievable. Too bad he never got to the World Series. I mean, yeah. I mean, he throws that playoff. Once he threw that the uh, the no hitter in the NLDS first playoff start, that's when it was like, okay, sure thing. Yep, he's going. Yep, no, no problem. Um, Edgar Martinez finally gets in, which I do think is going to be an interesting thing here with David Ortiz coming up in a couple of years. We'll talk about it in just a second. And then the fourth guy. We talked about this last time too, I believe. Mike Mussina just barely gets in. I think he got in by what, like two votes? Yeah, it was or close. It was very. I think it was seventy-five point seven, something like that. He got in by. Um, for me, I have a problem with that and the fact that he is in and Kurt Schilling is not, from a pure baseball standpoint. From a pure baseball standpoint, the only thing Mussina has better than Schilling is wins, which he 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 mopped the floor with him in wins. Yeah, it's like I think it's two seventy five to two twenty one or something like that. I think two sixteen, two sixteen. Yeah, right in that range. But everything else, uh, Schill wipes the just about he edges him. He edges him yeah. in every other statistical category. And with what all of you people on Twitter were telling us this year, wins don't matter. Mm-hmm. What's the reason? We know what the reason is. It's because of this hall of morality thing we got going on now where everybody has to be a perfect human being. Yes, Kurt said that writers should be lynched. Yep. Or wouldn't it be bad to see writers get lynched? And Kurt's political opinions don't agree with the majority of baseball writers. Um, I don't think that's a good enough reason to keep him out of the baseball hall of fame. No, I would vote him in. I, I think him and Mucina both deserve to be in there. I mean, I know Mucina is a borderline case for some people, but... I mean, he, he had like a 3-6 ERA at the height of the steroid era right. in hitters' ballparks. Right? Yeah, like, Camden Yards, Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Um, I think he gets in, but yeah, no, Schilling should absolutely be in too. Um, it, like, I, playoffs are huge for me, right? Like, right. I, I always look at postseason numbers, and I, is there a better playoff pitcher? Maybe Rivera, right? But, <laughs> but like, starting? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. 
but in that but in that time, no. <laughs> yeah, eleven and two with a like. Two I don't even think I don't even think Maddox was that good. No. Um. So yeah, I mean, I I think he should be in. It's interesting too. I, I've been thinking more about this. So you need seventy five percent to get in, right? Yep. Why? Why isn't it fifty? Why like more than half the I mean, writers the way this we're, year? The way we're letting people in now, yeah, sure. <laughs> like more than half of the writers this year voted for Schilling, but he's not in. So yep. I, like, if you think about it. If you're a naysayer, your vote counts more than someone that says, yeah, you should be in. Right. It's that blackball mentality where you can keep someone out just because you can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Schilling really has no one to blame but himself at this point. Yeah. But writers should stop being so petty and vote him in. I would have voted him in. I get to vote in eight more years. Uh, he'll be off the ballot by then. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I, I would be pro-Schilling. So, so speaking of coming towards the end of their ballots... Two years from now, not this this upcoming year. I think is uh, I think Jeter's next year, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the, obviously the big name. Two years from now is I think is going to be the real the big ballot where we're going to find out if this <coughs> if this thing is going to continue or whatnot because that's going to be I believe the last year for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in two years from now, and then also the first year for Alex Rodriguez and David Ortiz. Yep, all very very big personalities. Egos, different cases on each of them. All four of them have had their names linked, whether proven or not, to steroids. Mm-hmm. A Rod's got, got two. He's lied multiple times. Mm-hmm. But Alex Rodriguez, I think, has become he's become so likable. Yeah, he has. What he, a, it's like the most incredible one eighty of all time. Yeah, we talk about the Patriots this season taking a one eighty. What A Rod's <laughs> done in his post post playing career as an analyst and just the social media stuff. Obviously, being affiliated like the the very loose affiation he has with Barstool and yeah, Big Cat, people, yeah, yeah. Pe- people love A Rod Corp, yeah. all that J Lo, everything, um, and the fact that he's he's a tremendous analyst. Yeah. On top of that, um, I think A Rod's going to be a very interesting case. But you look at other guys that have lied twice, like Manny, twenty two percent. Yeah, we're hanging on on twenty two percent. A-Rod's going to be a, a, an interesting one here as we move forward. And you see Clemens, Schilling, or not, and Clemens and Bonds both kind of, what, they went up by, what, a, a percent point or something? Like yeah, one, they, one they've held steady, which that's a really interesting thing is, like, I think Schilling will get in eventually. Yeah. I don't know if they will just because, like, the people that are no's on them are yep. such hard no's that I don't think anything can really change their mind. In two years. Yeah, two years left. I mean, something really has to change, and I think that, and what sucks is if the, if they had one more year, I think after the A Rod Ortiz ballot, that would probably be their best shot. Unless you're going to see this real push here for if something just something has to change in the mind of the writers, the mind of the public, that it's got to be like it's it's part of the game, and I think we are gradually seeing people accept that. Um, I heard Jason Stark on the radio this week give a tremendous interview about how it's. It's part of the history of the game. Yeah, look, it, that era was so dirty that you're like... Yeah. But Zilig's in. There are absolutely steroid users in the Hall of Fame already. Yep. But you don't know because they didn't get bagged, right? Like, right. That era was so It's a dirty. funny play on words with uh, bagged, bag well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but like you have the man, like Tony La Russa, who had guys, all of his his players were juiced. How many of those Yankees on Joe Torre's teams were juiced up? Yep. Bud Selig, who let them run rampant and wild with I mean, it, is let, in the Hall of Fame. Bud in was really the, like, yeah. all right, so he can be in, but... 
players that were linked yeah. can't be? Like, what what are we doing Especially here? Especially with Clemens and Bonds and A-Rod, too, all guys who before we know we know the point where Roger Clemens started taking steroids. You yeah. can just see it in the pictures. Yeah. Same thing with Barry Bonds, the hat sizes. Yep. Alex is the same way. Those guys were all superstars before they were doing the doing uh, were they before they were on the juice and I those guys, those three guys are all all Hall of Famers. Yeah, and see that's why I, I kind of it, it it's really hard to do, but you try and separate like the steroid use in the natural ability, right? Right. Where you look at some, like I think Manny's still a Hall of Famer, yeah. right? Like I mean, with, he had 100 what was it, 165 RBIs in 99 or something like that. Yeah. It's it just a ridiculous and number. And you look at that swing and you look at how he was able to do what he did and you're like, "Okay, um, but then you look at someone like Sosa, who I think, or McGuire, I think their careers are entirely made by steroids, right? Sure. Like, um, but it is interesting with those four that are coming up. Yeah. And I mean, they, I you look at Omar Vizquel got 40-something percent this year, right? Are you yeah. really going to have a, a Hall of Fame where Omar Vizquel gets in and Barry Bonds doesn't? I know. And Craig Biggio is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, like, it's just... I don't know. Like at some point, you either got to we either got to like tear this thing down and and just start from scratch. And like, are we gonna not let anybody that's was ever a horrible human being? You're taking possibly one of the top five greatest baseball players of all time and Ty Cobb, and because he was a horrible human being, we oh, know some that. Some of those stories you hear, yeah, are just he was ruthless. Um, you like he should be in the Hall of Fame. Then I mean, Pete Rose, we can get into all that. I mean, this just it's just, just it's it's just so baseball and with baseball writers and it's just everything. I think I think it's, the thing that really kills um, Bonds and Clemens is that they're not going to be on the ballot for longer because I think my generation here, our generation yeah. that we grew up in, you know, it was a dirty era in yeah. Like, we accept it. Yeah, it's it's it, like what got us hooked on baseball. Exactly. Like, Summer of '98. Yeah. That, Bonds chasing '73. All that kind of stuff. I mean. Let those guys let them in. Yep. And then with Ortiz, you have a whole another angle of the DH thing. Yep. Edgar gets in finally. I mean, what was this? This was what year was he? This is last year. Was it this? This was the last year. Ortiz isn't going to have to wait that long for pure for baseball purposes. I mean, if people are going to throw the steroid thing, Ortiz is a separate. I think Ortiz is a different case than the other three guys that we were just talking about because he was mentioned once, not completely proven. Mm-hmm. The commissioner's office has refuted that report multiple times, and Ortiz too has this likability thing where it, you know he gets it goes on camera, smiles, everybody loves Big Poppy. Yep. And for the thing, I mean, just for the, I think in what he did to change the Red Sox organization, that too. I mean, Ortiz has so many other factors in, and and on top of that too, he's also I think far and away better than Edgar Martinez. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I mean, you look at the unbelievable postseasons too, yeah, right? Yeah. Like he checks all the boxes. Yep. I mean everything, but no, he didn't use his glove. Yeah, which I don't think he'll be first ballot because of that combination of the DH and the Mitchell the, report link. The O three, but report, I, yeah. I don't. He will not have to wait as long as Edgar. No. No. So it's it's a really interesting thing here with baseball. There's just so many just. Like you can poke holes in everybody's argument on either side. You contradict it's, at some point in this argu- in this argument, everybody contradicts themselves. Yep. Like no, you don't have a firm ground to stand on because you vote like one guy, you don't like another. It's just so petty, and it's just like it's like high school drama. That's why I think it, it really speaks to what Mo was like on and off the field. Yeah. To be the first unanimous guy and not to have one writer that I don't know that he slighted somehow and it's yep. like oh i'm gonna get him back now you know i saw the, i think the best tweet i saw was from pablo tori 
on Tuesday night after the ballot came out. <laughs> it's like Mariano Rivera and Bruce Springsteen, the only two things baseball writers are unanimous, 100% in favor of. And that was pretty good. Yeah, it was terrific. Uh, uh, so, yeah, good for Mo. It's It'll be good for him and all those guys going in in July. Um, but there's just, I mean, the, like we said, the you got to just start over at this point. It's just, which you can't, you can't even start over, but you have to start over. There's just so many different things. This is just a conversation that can go on because you just end up talking in circles like we are starting to do right now. That's why we're going to change the subject. Which, hey, it's perfect for January when there's no baseball. Exactly. <laughs> Who says baseball's dying, right? When yeah. we're talk- yeah, <laughs> talking about these guys. So going into the MLB right now, um, we have what? One, con- one guy signed for more than uh, $10 million so far? Uh, a year, yeah. yeah. Um, or total, or whatever it is. It's like is Andrew Miller signed for two years, twenty-five mil. I know that was that's a lot of relievers. Uh, I mean, Britain got three thirty-nine. Yeah. So um, outside of the relieving mar- the reliever market, yeah, we got the two big names right. This was the off season that we've been pumping up for past three or four years. Yep. This was going to be the off season for baseball, where I was going to be like, all right, this is going to be awesome. We're going to have some things to talk about. And instead, we are seven days, eight days from the beginning of January. We're within three weeks from spring training, and the two biggest names on the market are still sitting out there not knowing where they're going to go. Yeah. We believe Manny Machado has an offer from the White Sox from what we've heard for like seven years, $175 million. He's just sitting on it. Yep. Knows it's not going to go anywhere. Bryce Harper, we haven't really heard anything of where he's going to go. I mean, it, it seems all but certain he's gone from Washington. Yeah, although you heard that offer that was leaked that was like 10 years, $300 million or something. Yeah, and I don't um, think Bryce is going to get that or should get that. No. Um, it's interesting, man. It, it, it really is. Like I think teams are have finally smartened up with these absurdly long contracts. I mean, we've seen with the Giancarlo contract that it's just like it, it, it it's not worth it <laughs> for the no. teams on the long end. I think these but teams think- would be more than happy to pay Manny and Bryce – $40 million a year for three years. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with that. It's just interesting. Like, One of the reasons that this offseason was supposed to be so compelling is because they're both 26. Yeah. You know, it's one thing when you have a 30-year-old free agent that gets overpaid, but right. hypothetically, their best years are still ahead of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the game is just not in a healthy place in terms of free agency and like no. players getting paid, really. No, it's not. I mean, you look at J.D. Martinez ends up being <clears throat> the most impactful off-season edition last year doesn't did he, it was March right? Um, he used late February, early March. I mean, the Red Sox had already played a spring training game before he got there. Yeah, right? something like that, right? Yep. So right in that time, I mean, we're still that's still a month away. Yep. Now, one proposal that I've heard that I really like, and I think this would be a great idea for baseball. They could market the hell out of this because the MLB with marketing their stars is on par with the NHL. Yeah, which is not good. No, it's not. <laughs> MLB should use the winter meetings as the deadline. You make that a three-day event where the guys kind of like an NBA. We the NBA offseason we enjoy talking about more than the NBA basket than basketball. Absolutely, it's this thing where it's just like, okay, who's going where? He's flying here. You could make it this whole thing that you you have guys all fly into wherever it is, Nashville, Florida, wherever we're going, and you just make it. These guys they're making the rounds. Trying to get offers from their teams, and then by the time Wednesday or Thursday, when everybody leaves, you should know where these guys are going. It's it's six weeks after the World Series ends, so I don't want to hear anything like, "Oh, they don't have enough time to sit on it, sit about it." No, teams can still talk to the players before then, but when you get there, that is when it open 
on that Monday morning at, at noon or whatever, and then it closes on Tuesday at noon or Thursday at noon and everybody leaves. You have a 72-hour window to make your free agent signings or you can't sign until, say, May 1st. I mean, it, it could work. I, I mean, the, the biggest thing... <laughs> what's uh, So free agency happens very quickly in all of the other sports, right? Oh, yeah. No, no one else has this problem. What do all the other sports have? A salary cap. Right. That's why, like, you don't know what these guys can actually spend. It's so much harder to negotiate that way. Whereas, like, if you look at the Bruins trying to sign someone, right? It's like, oh well, it's the cap's eighty-five million. They're at seventy-five. So this is actually what they can plausibly do. Yeah. With baseball, you have no idea about any of that. No, but I, at the same time, too, I think there's a lot of these teams that just kind of like to, you know, like the old grandma clutching their pearls that they just don't want to, mm-hmm. and that's part of the problem too in baseball. There's so. When it comes, I mean, baseball has so much money, and yeah. they just mismanage it, or they just don't want to spend it, or it's just there's just so many money problems in baseball that are that are not even like not for lack of money. It's just they just don't do anything with it. Yeah, I mean, or they spend it in the wrong places. Yeah, I mean, the game that's supposed to be dying made over ten billion dollars last yeah. year. It's 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 ridiculous, and I I think that if you make the winter meetings this showcase thing where you said, I mean, it would be pumped up. It would be, it would be great. It would be in the middle of December when, you know, it's not during fall. It's not on the weekend, so you don't have to worry about any NFL games there. Yeah, I mean, hockey and basketball are just starting. Not that the not that hockey matters at all. No one cares about December in the NBA. Sorry, <laughs> it's awful. College basketball doesn't do anything. Yeah, I mean, you got a little bit of that college football talk, but even then, still, you, you got the playoffs still weeks away. You're in that dead spot right before Christmas, and then two. You want more right before Christmas, another incentive, the jersey sales that can flip out right there too. <laughs> I, mean, I guess my concern here is that the players get screwed over even more. Think about it. Like if, if you don't get signed, if you don't get the right deal, right, then you have to sit out till May 1st yeah. or like last day. Are you suddenly going to like sign a bargain deal that you're not? Bottom um, of base. Yeah, then yeah. you have teams waiting. I mean, you could tier – like you do it like we already <laughs> tier these guys with the compos- uh, compensatory dra- – uh, whatever draft picks mm-hmm. um you could do the same thing like a tier like a tier three guy or t- you know like drew pomeranz just signed today with the diamond like the 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 dot uh the giants yep like he's a different case than bryce harper or manny machado like those are the, your a guys you have machado harper in the a category then you have your Britons and your millers and those guys in the b category and make it somehow there are enough nerds in baseball to make this work yeah, I just I, I feel like the players are ultimately going to get screwed over again, though. Which that I mean that's the biggest thing. There's all this talk about collusion. Yeah, I, I don't think there's actually collusion. I think it's more common sense collusion. Like, oh, we don't actually have to pay these guys this much. Right. Like, so if no one's going to do it, then I mean it, it's it's broken. And a lot of it too is comes back to tanking. Yeah, you have teams like that are actively trying to lose. Like, there's. What, 10 teams right now that you can point to and you're like, oh, they're tanking this year, they're tanking. Yep. None of them are going to sign free agents. Right. And then at the same time, and then you have a couple that are kind of on edge like, where I feel like the White Sox are in that category where they don't get Machado, they're going to go into that tanking group again. Yeah. Because they, they're still very young. I mean, if they get Manny, might make try to make another move there, but have two great players. Then you have Jose Abreu also there. You have all these young guys coming up where, okay, maybe we can make something out of this. Yep. But if not, then no, we're just going to go tanking again too. Same thing. I think the Phillies are kind of getting that category where they want both Harper and Machado. Like it's just it's there's so many problems in baseball that it's just like you got to do something and you got to market this. Yeah, 
It's because there are so many. There are more young stars today. <laughs> like there are so many great young baseball players mm-hmm. that. That's, that's a why, lot of people haven't heard of. That's why the World Series ratings are so alarming, right? Like, yeah. you look at all the young superstars on the Sox and the Dodgers. Yeah. And it's like, they weren't higher than that. Right. You know, like, game three, you have Walker Bueller on the mound. That kid is electric. Yeah. Why are those ratings not through the roof? Exactly. It's 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 a problem for baseball that I don't know if it's going to be solved because, I mean, there's just there's a lot of stubbornness in that sport. Um, yeah. That it's just, but they have to do something. Whatever it is, I don't know. Maybe one of you guys out there knows. Let us know. You can tweet at us. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week, Chris, unless you have anything else you want to talk about. Uh, I think we've run the gamut. All right. Sounds good, man. So you can follow me at dwaddy 93 Chris is at by Chris Mason. Uh, stay tuned. Are you doing some Super Bowl stories coming up? Uh, mostly baseball, actually. Mostly baseball coming? Yep. All right. So, well, look at that. Back to work. <laughs> <laughs> Long off season is over. We'll be talking to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Follow, uh, Subscribe at AFRPod. Uh, And have a good one.